to the Upshot, Multi World Disc Golf's podcast about the latest in the disc golf world. I'm the editor, Charlie Eisenhood. Joining me, as always, is Josh Mansfield. And I wake up this morning, Bitcoin crash trending on Twitter. Ricky, <laughs> I hope you're going to wait a little bit and get that 250K on the dip. You got to buy the dip, my friend. I hope you didn't get paid earlier this week as uh, the cryptocurrency dropped about 15% overnight. Could you imagine just walking into work, same first week, like you start on Monday and then it comes around on Thursday <laughs> and your boss is like, by the way, your signing bonus is now 15% smaller than it was on Monday. <laughs> that would suck so bad. I, I feel like you just have to accept that it comes with the territory if you're going to take it in Bitcoin. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, it, you could argue, one could argue that if you take it in cash – and you know you're not going to deploy it into investments immediately that you're you know paying the inf- the more the more silent inflation tax True. so uh you know anyway i just thought that was funny i wake wake up after all this ricky news and it's hashtag #bitcoin crash trending on twitter um all right well we got a fun show for you today uh we we got a bunch of news to get to we're going to go inside the circle uh i've got some great over unders for you josh we will get to those a little bit later in the show first and foremost big news coming out today this morning chris dickerson announcing on social media that he is leaving prodigy he's leaving his contract two years early this trend continues and there had been some rumors, Josh, about Dickerson, and now it's confirmed that he's leaving. We don't know where he's going yet, but there it is. Uh, are are you surprised by this? Obviously, Dickerson has been one of the biggest faces at at Prodigy for for a few years now, um, and, and really was their star MPO player before Kevin Jones came onto the team three years ago. Yeah, it's it's this one's pretty surprising to me. I, I know there had been rumors of Dickerson leaving, but none of them felt quite like the you know the, the all but confirmed Ricky rumors. Uh, we knew a lot about some of the other ones that were coming up. I feel like the Dickerson as well as the Katrina Allen moves were both kept a little bit more under wraps, which makes me feel like it was also less expected on Prodigy's end. Um, I, Prodigy can't be happy. The the face of their company on both sides are walking out now, uh, and and as much effort as they're making to create Kevin Jones as the new face of Prodigy, signing the big extension and you know putting that all over their social media, I I don't think it's been quite as successful as it's going to need to be in order to try and kind of temper the flames a little bit of what's going on over at Prodigy with these players leaving. I I think that this is a bigger hit to prodigy than the Kona Ricky leaving Innova. Wow. Interesting. I mean, expand on that idea. I mean, I can, I think I understand why you say that, but Uh, yeah, you know, Ricky, Ricky's number one player in the world. So why do you think this is worse for prodigy? Because I think that, uh, you know, one, we've talked about the way Ricky is marketed at Innova and that it isn't as successful, but we've also talked about, you know, who's left at Innova. You still have, Calvin Heinberg, who not one number one player in the world, but top four player in the world. And then you have Nate Sexton, who is still a marketing guy and brings the kind of attention and publicity and sales to Innova that they're looking for out of a sponsored player. And, and let's not forget, he's outperformed many of the other players we are talking yeah. about at major championships over the last few years. He was third and fifth this year at the majors. Okay, so Nate Sexton doesn't tour as much, but he's still a formidable professional player. Yes, without a doubt. And then on the FPO side, I know it looks, you know, with Kona leaving, it's like, oh my gosh, like that's a really important name. But they still have two of arguably, like on any given week could be number one and two at any tournament in the European women who are going to be back this year. And so it, you know, you didn't see a lot of them last year. It's hard to keep them in the, the public debate in the public, you know, conscious, but that's coming consciousness, but that's coming back in this year. And so I think Innova is, we're very quickly going to realize that Innova is going to be doing great this year. Um, 
you're not going to see Prodigy on FPO cards anymore. I unless they sign Haley. Unless King. they sign Haley King, uh, and and that's the one caveat I guess I should give is that if Prodigy signs some big names or just even a big name in Haley King, I think that kind of settles it down a little bit. But right now, you're not going to see Prodigy on FPO, MPO, Kevin Jones consistent but needs to get some wins and then you got rookie of the year Gannon Burr and then uh, I mean I have to go look trying to refresh my memory but at least in the top 10 uh, you know that prodigy's Dickerson's out and he's the face I I I, I think the thing is you can do just fine with one anchor player hmm If you have somebody who is the caliber of Kevin Jones, do you need to also have someone who's the caliber of Chris Dickerson? I mean, I think Dickerson, because of his particularly his 2020 performance, has the edge as like the, the performance side a little bit higher than Kevin Jones because he won the USDGC and. You know, he had that tremendous 2020 season, but they're in a very similar tier, right? They're just below tier one. They're like tier one B, you know, like, or you could call it tier Tier two. two. We've discussed this. And so do you need, like, sure, it's great to have both of those guys, but I don't know that it necessarily is some sort of requirement to have both of those guys. Couple couple things I just want to point out. Um, there's definitely rumors that you know Kevin Jones getting a, a, a big new contract from Prodigy, and you can imagine that he was there were other suitors for Kevin Jones. You know we've talked about how good he is as you know just a, a exciting up and coming player, great personality, like resonates with the fans. Uh, obviously, also a great player. He got a, he got a great contract. Mm-hmm. We don't know the details. It's all NDA'd up and everything. I don't know that we'll ever know the details, but he got a great contract. But I think other prodigy players were not happy because their contracts maybe paled in comparison, and that has certainly been a discussion um, amongst pro players. And I think perhaps that's what's precipitating. Uh, what's going on here with with Dickerson leaving? Um, you know, th- this stuff is never going to be openly discussed in public. But you know, if you signed a contract a couple years ago, it's a really different story than if you signed a contract in 2021 because of where the sport has gone. It's just a different situation, and so players who are under con- longer term contracts, there's a reason everybody's breaching contracts this year. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's like so incredibly advantageous to get a new deal now when it's like when, you know, the NBA got its gigantic new TV deal and they have suddenly the salary cap goes up massively. Like you want to be signing your free agency deal that offseason, not the one before. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see what happens with Dickerson. There's still so many chips that haven't landed yet. We don't know where Katrina's going yet. We don't know where uh, Haley's going yet. This could all be determined by the end of the week. I would not be shocked if we heard a lot of this stuff settled by the weekend. But, uh, you know, it's hard to evaluate at this point how manufacturers have sort of done in the offseason when we still don't know where some of the biggest names are going to land. It's true. It it, it definitely – and what's what's odd to me at this point – and maybe this is just my short-term memory right now. Uh, we're a month out from All-Stars, and we have three of some of the biggest names of the sport who don't have announced sponsors yet. Um, it feels like it's, I don't know, it, it feels like this is kind of, I guess we're only on the 6th of January, you know? Uh, so much news happened on New Year's Eve, and New Year, or on New Year's Day that this now feels late, but we're not even a week removed from New Year's, so. But but it is, I mean, some of these deals are surely done, mm-hmm. but others may still be in discussion or haven't been signed yet. Yeah. I feel like this offseason in particular, it's pushing later because people are leaving contracts and having to wait to, like, do stuff until 
the legal, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's possible we might not hear about some players until next week. Um, I think, you know, from the, from the side of the, like, are people going to be ready by the time the season starts? Yeah. I mean, we still have a month mm-hmm. and stuff is close, if not already signed. Yeah. I have a little hypothetical, you know, di- a different universe, if you will. Discraft went after Ricky. There were serious discussions. And could you imagine if Ricky had signed a deal with Discraft and Ricky and Paul both throwing Discraft? Uh, no, no, I can't. I can't imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> that that feels. I haven't watched a lot of it, but you know that new uh, Marvel TV show on Disney Plus, the What If, where they've got like the multiverse of like all the different you know, Avengers and you've got just like crazy different scenarios. That's what that feels like. Like that should be the next episode of what if, as if Ricky was at Discraft with Paul. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Katrina goes to Discraft as well. Could you imagine that, that team of four? I mean, good for Discraft, right? <laughs> yeah. But it, it, I think the team stuff is overdone a lot of the time when we talk about these these player deals with manufacturers. But there is something a little weird about having the players be quote unquote teammates <laughs> when they're, you know, bitter rivals. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that plays a calculus in the player's head. I think so. If 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 for no other reason than that they don't want to be like seen as the the B player on sure. the team, and, and that right the bench, and, and I I wonder though if not not that sense, but like literally a player's like I don't like that guy, I won't go to that company. I don't think it would be. That feels a little petty. Only only in like the extremes, like maybe Ricky Paul, right? But you could imagine it there. But like again, I think it's the B any player. Other situation? No, yeah. I, I can't imagine. You, you know, the, at the end of the day, money talks. It does. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Um. Okay. A couple of other quick notes on player movement. Uh, Gannon Burr, twenty twenty one PDGA Rookie of the Year, returns to Prodigy for two years. Um. Uh, Good get for Prodigy there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is the kind of player that you want to keep under wraps as long as you can. Um, interesting to see it be two years. Uh, you know, if I'm Gannon Burr, I want to bet on myself a bunch, I think, because uh, who knows? The next contract could be even bigger. I mean, I wonder how locked in this contract is. You, you say that like he couldn't <laughs> no, just leave next I year. <laughs> I, I, I have no trust in any of these contracts. So here's... Real quick, let's let's move on to the next one, and then I have a question for you. Okay. The, the final thing here, uh, Kyle Klein promoted to Sky Team. Uh, that's the top-level team uh, on Disc Mania. So he'll be alongside Eagle and Simon. Certainly no surprise there. The, the surprise would be if this did not happen. Yeah. Uh, if you looked at Disc Mania's website, Kyle takes his picture for Sky Team in uh, a Simon jersey. So you have Simon in his Simon jersey, Eagle in his signature jersey, <laughs> and Kyle in Simon's jersey. <laughs> I think it's like a meme at this point. Like <laughs> Kyle always just wears the other guy's shirt. Like that that happened this season. Right. Like Eagle was trolling him for wearing <laughs> his shirt on like Championship Sunday or whatever. Um, that, Dismania, y'all got to get some more shirts. Like, get him please. a shirt. <laughs> Don't make him take his profile shirt. picture in a Simon shirt. Uh, oh, that's funny. So so here's my question for you. <clears throat> Do you believe that the deals that are signed this year, Kevin Jones' four-year extension, Ricky's deals at Discmania, Kona's deal, are sure. those deals harder to get out of than the deals of a year or two years ago? Yes. Okay. I think so, too. I think that we're trending towards legal teams making tighter contracts. Yeah. Uh, that That is my expectation. You know, I, I have yet to actually be able to sit down and look at a pro player contract, you know, like a, a, in recent years. 
and sort of see. I, I would be fascinated to do that. Uh, you know, inbox is open. Charlie at ultiworld.com. Uh, I think the, 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 it's, I, we know for a fact that contracts, even a couple years ago, were like not even necessarily contracts. Right. Like when Paige left Dynamic Discs, that was a verbal mm-hmm. agreement. There was never a signed deal. That was like a couple <laughs> years ago. And now Dynamic Discs is doing these deals. I guarantee you that the lawyers looked at these ones. Um, are you going to be able to stop a player from leaving that doesn't want to leave? I mean, maybe. I think it's risky territory. We've seen what happens. When Prodigy made Paige play out the final year of her contract, uh, Paige was miserable and like made it clear. Mm. And is that good for the company? Like, Is that the kind of endorsement that you want? A player being openly upset about the fact that they have to use your discs and like... That, that that that's why I think we haven't really seen companies forcing players to stick around. Now, who knows what the potential ramifications are going to be of these players leaving early this year. It wouldn't be shocking to me if we saw something go to the point of having a lawsuit filed. Uh, but uh, again, it, there's very high PR risk, um, particularly for the companies, but really for everybody involved. So I think most stuff is going to get settled outside of, you know, a a formal legal filing. What do you think is going to be the mechanism for then enforcing these contracts on the manufacturer side? Is it is it buyouts? You could you could put some kind of termination clause in that has some kind of penalty. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I think the real the question is like, how do you say like what are the outs? Contracts have outs, right. but what are they? It's like you didn't do what you said you would do, mm-hmm. so I get to leave. Now you can you can design it however you want. You can create opt out clauses. You can say there's an option after two years. You could do all kinds of stuff. But you know, my, my guess is that it's been these these multi year deals have not really been multi year deals. They've been like agreements to do this for you know, four years, but every year we renegotiate and reevaluate and you can walk away. Um, and I think that that stuff's going to start going away mm-hmm. and there's going to be more clarity around, you know, if you leave, here's what happens. You know, we get, you have to pay a, you know, $50,000 penalty or you have to get, like, imagine with Ricky, right? Could they put in there, you have to give back your signing bonus, you know, like, there's nothing stopping them from putting that in the contract. Yeah. It's interesting because then I asked the question, what hurts dynamic discs worse, making Ricky give back his signing bonus or forcing him to stay on for the full four years? Like, because, well, hopefully Ricky negotiated to have to give it back in the uh, value <laughs> amount of Bitcoin that was given to him at the time. <laughs> so when, Hashtag Bitcoin crash happens. He can be like, yeah, you can never. Yeah, what happened if it doesn't though? What happened if that Bitcoin is worth like ten <laughs> times? Moon? Yeah, it goes to a hundred thousand. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't but uh, yeah, it's interesting. It is. Okay, let's move on. Uh, something we haven't really discussed yet. That of course we're going to talk about more leading up to the season. What's the performance impact of bag changes going to be? Now, look. Let's open this up with the general caveat that. It really is about the player, not the discs. We know that players can succeed with discs from different manufacturers. It's not like there's some magic bullet out there. But, you know, sometimes a player finds a disc that really works for them, uh, a putter that really works for them, a driver that really works for them. And there's also typically some kind of adjustment period as a player gets used to their new plastic. So I want to talk about who's going to adjust the best and who's going to struggle to adjust, Josh. Mm -hmm. So let's start with who's going to adjust the best. Who do you think is going to step up with new plastic this year and be ready to roll? Ricky. <laughs> uh, it's because he's been throwing the Understand plastic. Yeah, I mean, he, right. he won his world titles with this plastic. Uh, he's back to the daggers and the harps. He even put, I think he put on social media, uh, or I saw a post on social media from someone about, you know, Ricky won two world championships with the dagger and none with the KC Pro AVR. So... Uh, you know, the, the, this has been 
a large talk of this already. We all kind of saw it coming. Um, yeah, I think Ricky is going to do the best. I would be shocked if he probably doesn't even pull out old discs uh, that he has from Dynamic and Trilogy that go back in the bag. Uh, or at least get played with as he's kind of warming back up to the bag. So in my opinion, I think Ricky is number one. I, I think um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say that, that Kona actually also adjusts well. Okay. I, the reason is like the glaring deficiency in the game is putting mm-hmm. and it's not like she's really figured it out. So now she gets the scene scene change and like get new putters to work with. How how can it do anything but be helpful? It can't like get a lot worse. So you can only go up from there. I think that makes it easier. Now, of, of course, there's going to be an adjustment to get used to the plastic and driving and everything. But I, I think because of the nature of having to like be like, okay, reset career reset plastic reset i get to like come at this with fresh eyes and start with a new putter and you know she's talking a lot about confidence and how she's ready to come out in 2022 with with a ton of confidence in her game and so i i think that that will be a very positive thing i think sometimes you just need that like it's the same reason we all buy a new putter when we're putting like crap right it, it sometimes just having a different thing helps. Mm-hmm. You don't even necessarily know why. The other thing I want to add, and maybe this is just my own opinion, but when you look at companies, I, I think that you know, Innova, for example, it's a pretty short list of putters that people actually putt with. I mean, sure, Innova's got a ton of putters, but especially on the pro side, who putts with anything besides? Fireflies or aviars of some sort. Um, I mean, you say of some sort. That, that's doing a lot of that's work. That's true. That's true. <laughs> There's a lot of aviar flavors. And, out and there. that is true. But when you compare that to when I look at like trilogy putters, the variation in putters and the, the, the putters that people actually use to putt with are all over the place, both in plastic as well as in the mold itself. I feel like Kona's got a world of options now to pick from that are discs that I don't even, I mean, Innova didn't have as much uh, in terms of, I, I know of discs that I've seen people putt with that I'm like, I don't think Innova has a direct correlation that's this putter. And so maybe I, I think, I think those options, like you said, something different, but has, you know, she's not locked in really in, any, in anything in this for this trilogy brand. I mean, it's often said that everything is an AVR clone. Uh, there's a lot of AVRs out there, and just to say AVR doesn't capture the full gamut of what is available. I mean, I think you can kind of find whatever you're looking for: stable, understable, uh, hard, soft. Like, there's yeah. gonna be an AVR out there that's gonna be, at, you know, at least basically what you want. Now, but again, I, I agree in the general sense that sometimes a slight difference, even if it's just psychological can make you feel better about the putter. So I'll say that. So, okay, who do you think might struggle with a bag change, at least initially? Um, I, I think Katrina is my first pick to struggle. Uh, she's been with Prodigy she's nine years. Yeah, that's like, right. When was the last time she threw discs seriously that weren't Prodigy? <laughs> It's been a long yeah. time, and there is something about having a disc in your bag that you've had for five years that when you step up to a tricky Anheuser shot that's 300 feet in the world championship to make a small island green, and you reach in your bag for that trusty F7, and it's not there, <laughs> like... She may have a disc that she's going to throw instead that flies just like an F7, but there is something about reaching for that disc that and not being there that in that moment I think could even cause problems. But but remember that what we're talking about here is not, you know, is there a disc that, you know, wherever she lands that is going to have that flight characteristic right. that's going to be a good disc to, you know, turn turnover backhand with a little flex back. Sure. 
of course, every company has that disc. The question is, will you have it dialed in to the point that you can stick it within the circle? And because for pros, we talked about this on Tuesday. For pros, 10 feet off mm-hmm. is a big mistake. And it's those are the things that are not going to be there for players when they're switching plastic and they have to step up on the tee and they got to throw. And like, sure, you know the basic flight, you know essentially how it's going to go, but like, do you have that last 10 feet dialed in? You probably don't, not initially. Yeah. That's where the challenge of switching bag comes in. And and who knows how long players have had to prep with their new plastic. I think that the kind of tumultuous nature of this particular offseason and deals getting done later might mean that players you know, didn't have this all planned out back in October, and then they have a whole offseason to get used to the plastic. They might only have a month before they start having to compete. So that could that could make things interesting from a performance side. At the in the initial part of the season, again, I, I this is not a long term players are going to struggle thing. I mean, they're the world's best. I mean, the question, my question for you is, how long do you consider to be that? And I guess that's what we're talking about here, but. Will Katrina be informed for Champions Cup? I mean, I think you can say that about any player that's switching. I think it's, You're right. uh, you know, I don't know. And, and by world, I don't know. I think different players also probably have different, like, natural ability to just adapt to new discs. Because mm-hmm. I think it depends a little bit on your style. You know, if you like to throw a lot of brand new discs and you know, you cycle a lot, then I think switching plastic is less of a big deal because it's just like you're used to that. But if you throw greeny and you like throw that for half your shots and you've had it in the bag for as long as people can remember, like that's more of an adjustment period. Anyway. Other people you think uh, will struggle? uh, I don't know that I have anybody that really snaps to mind. I think Haley King would probably be my other pick here just because like her formative years as a player have been with Discraft. Um, and like there's a lot of muscle memory and learning that's going on when you're still a teenager. Uh, it could be a little bit of an adjustment period to get used to new plastic uh, after that. I mean, this is a similar story, right? Anybody who's been with a company a long time and has thrown the same discs for a long time might have trouble adjusting. I, but I, I do think the first person that came to my mind, too, was Katrina, just because of that duration that she was with Prodigy. Yeah. Um, I don't have particularly strong feelings about Dickerson one way or the other. Uh, I think Matty O seems like he's pretty excited about this plastic, and I think that helps. Like He was genuinely – he said, he's like, I want to go to Trilogy. Like That's that's where I want to land. So And, and then went into the offseason knowing that. Uh, I I think so, and that helps. And he's former trilogy, too. right? Right. Just like Ricky. Yeah. So Matty O probably so that, is in pretty good shape too. That's a softer landing. Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, Valerie Mondejano or Mason Ford? No. Um. I, I. I think they're probably new enough in their professional career that that switch isn't going to be too too brutal. Um. But I'm not as familiar. I mean. We benefit a lot from these six players of you know knowing their shots and what they throw and having seen them on years of coverage. And I, I just don't have that same kind of in-depth background of watching years of sure. Mondahano and Ford. And so I, I think they'll do fine, but uh, I, I don't have any reason why they wouldn't. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go inside the circle and hit you with your first over under of 2022. We'll be right back. The Upshot is presented by Pound Disc Golf, makers of the best bags in the sport. And you know what? They're about to be the makers of the best bags in a variety of other categories. Available now, Rapscallion Bags, a spinoff of Pound, they make beverage carrier containers i have one here at the house it's awesome it holds six bottles of wine two big growlers whatever you want to put in it it's in a really nice looking case you can take it to a dinner party you can take it with you out to the park wherever you're headed 
check it out, rapscallionbags.com. And uh, keep an eye out for the fly pack coming to pound very soon. A really beautifully put together travel bag. It's in the final stages of development right now. Check everything out at pounddiscgolf.com. Welcome back to The Upshot. It's time for the first time in 2022 to go inside the circle. We have the long-awaited news, Charlie. The twenty the 2022 Tour card is out. Pro Tour announced uh, this week the Pro Tour, including the benefits overview and the qualification criteria. So some of the benefits include access to the Tour Pass registration, upgraded event facilities and services, access to enhanced wealth and health and wellness programs, and then a couple other benefits just along you know, being a part of the Tour and, and when you go to those events. Uh, but we also have, which I think is the interesting part here, the qualification criteria. The top 75 men in 2021 DGPT standings are automatically going to get a tour card, as well as the top 25 women in DGPT standings. 10 MPO and 5 FPO European exemptions will be given. This is based on your performance in Europe, specifically at the European Disc Golf Championship is where preference will be given, and then on your intentions to tour in 2022. Uh, but that is a, an exemption process they have to go through in, by just reaching out to Jeff Spring and, and the rest of the tour in order to get that card. Um, and then you also have U.S. players rated at, at or above 1015 MPO or 915 for FPO who can apply for a waiver to access the tour card based on special circumstances. So these are, if you missed that top 75 or 25, you have to reach a certain rating threshold. And they identify those special circumstances as uh, COVID-19 pandemic, injury during the 2021 season, or issues that affected the player's ability to compete. Thoughts on the tour card, Charlie? Well, we knew this was coming. Uh, you know, this is kind of the one of the many steps that the Pro Tour is taking to kind of align with what we see in professional golf. And, you know, this was announced really way back in the beginning of 2021 uh, that this was going to be happening this year. So, you know, exactly how formal this is going to be uh, remains to be seen. I would say that the the clear thing that this does is it allows players to have pretty much guaranteed entry into tour events. And what it means is that if you're not in that group, you may have a harder time getting into these tournaments. And this has been a point of concern for some folks, particularly those who are advocating for regional pros, who maybe aren't going to be out on a full-time tour, but want to be able to play the local pro tour stop in their area. I think for the most part, that's still likely to be very doable. But... It, you know, especially if you're a thousand twenty plus rated, like if you're a really good regional pro, you're probably going to get in on ratings based registration. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's not a done deal, and I think that there, over time, we're going to see a trend more towards tour card being the key. And you know, you're not just going to be able to sign up for these professional tournaments. You're going to have to qualify in via some kind of qualifying tournament or some sort of qualifying series. Um, but, you know, this year, I think this is more of like a, a tester. The big question, of course, and, and people will be wondering, who isn't going to get a tour card because they didn't finish top 75 or top 25? Not too many big names, Josh. I mean, who stands out to you in that group? You know, the the big one on the FPO side is Macy Valadez. Um, I think she's almost certainly going to be an easy exemption. I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm not concerned about Macy Valadez being able to to get that tour card. Uh, I, my question is, and I know that Jeff has talked about, you know, how you get a tour card if you you know can't get into events now, right? You know, the Silver Series. How do you work your way into a tour card? So my interest is like Scott Stokely coming back to tour this year. What events does he get to play and can he register for is based on events, you know, ratings, registration. Is he going to be able to get into everything he wants? If not, you know, what is his process into getting a tour card for next year? Right. Um, that's the situation that I'm curious about right now. I agree because <clears throat> if you're not in the top 75 and you want to become a touring pro, what is the mechanism for you to do that right now? That has not been announced. No. Because it's not, it doesn't seem like, let's say I'm 
950 rated, but I'm like up and coming. I'm going to be a star. I know that. And so I want to go out there and play, but I can't get into tournaments. Mm-hmm. I cannot get into pro tour tournaments because my rating is not high enough. How is that player given an opportunity to make that push? Is the answer silver series? Well, maybe, but, but show us how. Right. Right. It, it, I don't think the answer should be you have to spend a year raising your rating before you then have the opportunity to even register. So there needs to be some kind of mechanism for new players to be able to get into tour, you know, even if that happens in a single season. Like if you're a beast and you come out of nowhere and you all of a sudden pop up and, you know, start playing great, you know, you're, you're, you're Jackie Chen, then you need to have an opportunity to be able to get that tour card for next year and not be shut out by the registration, uh, you know, restrictions. Yeah, and, and that that has not been announced. But uh, the one thing I will say is I was concerned for some of our regional pros, and that that are that we see on parts of tour. Um, Andrew Fish was the first one that came to mind, uh, and then uh, James Proctor. James Proctor fifty fourth in pro tour standings. Uh, Andrew Fish sixty three. Both of them will get tour cards. Um, I, I I'm curious to see if moving forward. Does the tour card become so exclusive that you have to play a full season in order to get it? Or is there still going to be the kind of room? Because, I mean, if you look at Albert Tom was able to to get the tour card playing only four events. Right. Right. It, it's not like we are at the point that it's so exclusive that you're having a difficult time getting a tour card if you are a professional level player. That's right. Is that going to change? It, I, I would assume so. Eventually, yes. yeah. Yeah. The question is how quickly How quickly does someone like Andrew Fish get pushed out if he doesn't play full tour? Yeah, it's it's a good question to ask. And I think you know there's still that, that time. I mean, I think players that are that good are still going to be able to get into tournaments just fine because the rating is high. Yeah. Um, some names that are not going to get an automatic tour card of note on the MPO side, Michael Johansson, Nate Perkins, uh, Tristan Tanner. So, you know, no guarantees, right? If you're not finishing up in that top 30, you don't get that many points at pro tour events. So, you know, you mentioned Albert Tom getting in fairly easily with four events. Well, that's true, but it's because he finished 18th, 28th, 31st, 32nd. Yep. And and that was enough. So if you're in the 50s on a regular basis, still a good player, but you're only getting a point or two, uh, that doesn't add up very quick. So, you know, it, of course, incentivizing players to play these events, incentivizing mm-hmm. players to play well at these events. So interesting to see how this works out. And like more, I'm interested to see more details about, you know, what kind of benefits come with a tour card. You know, in in professional golf, it's all kinds of stuff: child care, uh, you know, health insurance benefits, retirement benefits, uh, you know, food and stuff at tournaments, access to cars, all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, come on, it's golf. There's millions <laughs> of dollars on the line. We're not there yet in disc golf, but yeah, you know, it's cool to see this formalized process starting to pop up and make sure that pros are not having to play the click game to get into events. Right. Uh, next up on Inside the Circle, Paul Macbeth is leaving Foundation Disc Golf and will no longer be a part owner of the company. Uh, in the Instagram and Facebook posts from both Paul and Foundation, they describe Paul as just having a lot of other things going on and wanting to focus his time and attention elsewhere. Um, but Charlie, were you surprised to see this announcement? Sure. Yes. Uh to be clear, just to make sure that it's uh, like makes a lot of sense. I mean, maybe this is one of the reasons that he decided to to uh, you know be, lo- drop the affiliation. Paul Macbeth Foundation, which is his <laughs> charitable arm, that is still he is doing that. Yes. Foundation Disc Golf, the retail company that he was part owner of in Virginia, he is leaving that ownership group. Now he, because here's the thing, Josh, he brought Brody Smith in to that ownership team in 2020 
And now we get a year later and he leaves the ownership team. Macbeth is. Uh, Macbeth does, that is. So, look, I, I, I see what everybody wrote about this. I see what Macbeth said about this. It's still weird to me because the thing is, if you're the owner, if you're the part owner of, let's say, a retail shop that sells discs, you don't have to like do stuff to be an owner. You know, you can just be an owner. Like you can just hang out and be an owner. That's what he used to do. I mean, he only made public the fact that he had a, a stake in this foundation company in 2020, but he had been involved earlier. So I don't know. This just strikes me as a little bit odd. I, I'm not sure why he's leaving. I mean, maybe it's as straightforward as everybody is saying, and it's just like he feels too busy and he can't commit to it. But it feels to me like maybe there's something else going on. Like maybe it feels like it's becoming too much of a media arm because they have the podcasts and stuff um, that, you know, it, but he's been distancing himself from foundation stuff, doing more stuff on his own YouTube channel. I think, to, in my mind, there's something more going on here than just he's too busy because Paul Macbeth is really savvy about his brand and, you know, what he's involved in. He has great business sense on that side of things. And my my feeling is he must think there's something going on at Foundation Disc Golf that's either, like, causing confusion with Paul Macbeth Foundation, causing, you know brand issues for him uh, or otherwise feels like it's no longer advantageous for him as a business person to be, you know, directly involved with this. So uh, yeah, again, no one has said anything otherwise. Like I've asked Paul directly about this. It says it's all laid out there in social media. So take that for what it's worth. It just strikes me as it feels like there's something more going on here. Yeah. I think any of those explanations kind of, dissipate the weirdness of this changing relationship and, and Paul leaving. So like go into business together, like Brody and Paul are like super buddy, buddy in 2020. And like now he's gone. I don't know. It just, and, it's just, it's strange. And you just can't convince me that Paul was the one packing the discs to ship. Like. <laughs> no, of course, <laughs> of course. So, yeah, I, I I would love to know like how much time did Paul spend on a weekly basis doing foundation? Probably none. That's and maybe I, that, maybe that was just. It's also possible there's just simply tension there that like yeah. it felt like he wasn't contributing at all, and therefore just wanted to just walk away and be like, hey, you know, this is your guy's thing. But he's a smart guy. If he felt like he had a company that was growing and doing great and that like was helping his brand, he wouldn't walk away just because he wasn't spending his own day-to-day -day hours on it. Well, and I mean, what <laughs> on the flip side, like foundation, most of their brand was like Paul Macbeth exclusive gear, like the Paul Macbeth discs, the Paul Macbeth apparel. It, it I, I, I'm just, it feels weird because you know, Paul's brand is going to be fine. I wonder what's going to be the foundation brand now that Paul isn't it. So, I mean, Brody. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, they, they they were Discraft exclusive for a while. Then they started carrying other brands. And so maybe, I don't know. There's a lot of possible answers here. Yeah. Um, next point on Inside the Circle, the PDGA Radio has relaunched with Grant Zellner, who is former in radio and advertising, and Jennifer Allen, uh, the standing... Uh, Tim Slinsky Masters champion, uh, both being the co-hosts of the show. They took a 14-month hiatus, uh, and but now are back. Um, I think it's a great show. I think it's important for the PDGA to have that kind of media arm uh, and a good access then to, to players to do so. Uh, Charlie, any other thoughts or things you want to add? Welcome back. Welcome back. Glad to have you on the airwaves with us. Uh there's a lot of disc golf podcasts, but I do I agree <laughs> with you. I think PDGA Radio is an important one because mm -hmm. because it can offer insight from the national governing body. And yes. uh, cool cool to see some new hosts. I'm excited to see how Jen Allen does in the role. And uh, I thought you know I listened to a, a chunk of the first episode, and I, I thought it was good. Uh, so off to a good start in you know season 4.1 or or whatever they're calling it. Um, but uh, make sure if you're not already a subscriber, you go hit uh, subscribe on PDGA Radio. 
Uh, final point of news. We're going back to Disc Golf Valley, Charlie. <laughs> it's, did we ever leave? Did did we ever leave? Uh, the world – so WIFDIF, the World Flying Disc Federation, in partnership with Latitude 64 and Spinoff Games, will be presenting the inaugural WIFDIF 2022 Virtual Sport World Team Disc Golf Championship. That is a – I laughed that they put an acronym after it or the, <laughs> the abbreviation. It's VSWTDGC. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. VSWTDGC. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in that. <laughs> um, it, it's going to hey, be hosted man. by Disc Golf Valley. You're going to be at the VSWTDGC next week? <laughs> <laughs> For the love. Why would you even add that? It's so bad. That's classic whiff diff right there. <laughs> Uh, the event is going to be WIFDIF's inaugural event for virtual sport team disc golf, and extend, they're going to extend invitation, indiv- invitations to individual participants of the 40 countries that are most frequent users of Disc Golf Valley to participate. Okay. So, do so you have any more insight into this, Charlie? Team, you- team sport. So, okay. Let me give you some general background here. WIFDIF is the international disc sports governing body. And they're finally back working together friendly with the PDGA again. We talked about Mm -hmm. this a couple months back. Um, There's been like hot and cold there. They've like split apart and come back together multiple times. WIFDIF's job is to help like develop disc sports in international competitions. That means stuff like the Olympics and the World Games. So WIFDIF's trying to get disc golf back into the World Games. Disc golf was in the World Games in 2001 and has not been since. Ultimate Frisbee, however, is in the World Games, which is, if you're unfamiliar, a competition that happens every four years, like the Olympics, but it's for non-Olympic sports. So uh, this is essentially them running their annual international disc golf competition, but because of COVID, it didn't happen for real, so they're doing this virtual one in Disc Golf Valley. Uh you know, look, it, it, it's a video game. Like, I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to take a lot of stock in what this actually means. But this is the kind of thing that you do when you're in international sports. You have to kind of like follow the rules and norms of international sports. So that means having championships that happen every year. And then you have a world championship that happens every four years. And there's all of these rules about this kind of thing. So uh, WIFDIF's focus is on country-based competition. So if they were to hold, you know, when they do world championships, it's like USA versus Finland versus Spain versus Australia. They don't Mm -hmm. do the, you know, what we think of as the world championships in sort of individual, uh, you know, like everywhere you have worlds every year. So anyway, long story short, WIFDIF is starting to actually spend more focus and energy on disc golf, which is a really good thing. You may not feel this or know anything about this or care about this for some time, but it is possible that this is a path towards eventually getting a shot in the Olympics. It's possible. It's it's actually possible. WIFDIF is trying to get ultimate into the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, and if they can get a foothold, the discipline... The, the sport of flying disc would potentially have the, the opportunity to get into the Olympics. The sport of flying disc. And then you have sub-disciplines, one of which is disc golf. So it is possible, especially because it's an individual sport and it's growing in popularity and there's you know established viewership online, it is not out of the question that disc golf could get a shot in the Olympics at some point in the future. Is it going to happen anytime soon? Probably not. But could it be in 20 years? If 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 WIFDIF is lucky enough to get ultimate in in 2028 as a one-time shot and it goes well, that could be very big news for disc golf. And if it does, you can thank the VSW TDGC <laughs> as the starting point for disc golf. We all Olympics. remember back in 2022 <laughs> when disc golf's Olympic dream began. <laughs> okay. Um, that, that's it for Inside the Circle, Charlie. Right. Let's, let me get to this. Over under 
here it okay. is. First one, we're going to make an early prediction. How many total players, MPO and FPO combined? Okay. Uh, so let me give you the over-under. Over-under, six and a half okay. players win multiple Elite Series events slash majors in 2022. Silver Series do not count. We're talking Pro Tour mm -hmm. and Majors. How many were this year? One. Was six? Was six the number this year? Well, let's see. It was Haley and Paige. And did Katrina get a second one besides so. Worlds? I think so. Hold on. Maybe I'm wrong about that. She got, didn't she get Delaware? Yeah, maybe. Let me double check. That I though. admittedly did not double check. She got MVP open. MVP, that's right. So, and then you also have you Kristen. Ricky. Did she win two pro tours? Maybe she did. I knew. I know she won a silver series, and she won a Deglo and Preserve. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. okay. So there's four I think on MVP. FPO too low because then you right. had Eagle and Paul and um, Ricky. And Ricky, and did Calvin get two? Adam Hammes. Yeah, mm -hmm. Hammes. So that's eight. Okay, my number's too low. I would like to revise it. <laughs> I I accept the revision. Well, let's just make, what did I, I said six and a half, right? Yeah. I'm going to make it seven and a half. Okay. The hard part about this is that I think FPO becomes much more difficult this year to win multiple. I think it's getting more difficult every year. I'm going to take the over. Over seven and a half. Yeah, over seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. Great. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that is going to do it for this week's show. Make sure you check out our subscriber bonus segment. It's a good one. It uh, came out on Wednesday, as usual. And uh, it we talk about player value. And, you know, are players properly paid, underpaid, overpaid? Uh, what's Innova's situation after having some departures this offseason and a whole lot more. You can become a subscriber for less than $4 a month at discgolf.ultiworld.com slash subscribe. And guess what? You get access to the UltiWorld Disc Golf Discord, which just is getting better all the time. It's, it's so much fun. It's a great place for conversation about disc golf. Uh, we have a great community, and we hope you will join us there and uh, come chat about disc golf uh, throughout this offseason and into the 2022 season. For Josh Mansfield, I'm Charlie Eisenhood saying so long, and we'll talk to you next week right here on The Upshot. <laughs>